I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome back to The Front Three. Today is our second reaction podcast of the week, obviously following the uh, second Champions League game, Roma versus Liverpool. I have with me Kristen Hennage to kind of talk over the tie. We know it's a little bit late, but we did want to get you guys a reaction pod. This is what you will be hearing uh, from here on out in sort of the World Cup and other things with the Patreon exclusive stuff. You'll be hearing the the podcast that Adam and I did yesterday, and then obviously this one today and, and more just generally more content from the front three. So without further ado, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. I'm still on the come down from what was a a crazy game last night. It really was a crazy game, and I think that's kind of of what we're here to talk about, is the craziness of Liverpool and and the craziness of this season, at least in the Champions League for them. Um, Obviously, I think the result is something that we kind of knew was going to happen, but it was still, it came in that classic Liverpool sense, didn't it? Where, like, they were almost going to let the team back into it, but they also had their two away goals. I mean, what did you make of all that? They have kind of wrapped up, or not wrapped up, but ramped up the score um, in recent uh, ties between different teams, but still allowed teams to score on them, even though in this case one of them was kind of a freakish own goal from, from James Milner. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing with Liverpool. They, they, they seem comfortable taking a punch because they know they can throw possibly a bigger one back. So it's... I, I look at, say, Salah, for example, who was, was pretty much placed in behind Kolarov, um, whereas maybe traditionally a team would say, OK, well, Salah needs to come back, he needs to give a little bit of cover to Trent Alexander-Arnold, there needs to be some kind of synergy there. But Liverpool kind of just threw that out of the window. They were they were very much of the opinion that, no, you, you sit in behind him, so either you drag him back with you or you're isolated against the, the centre-back when we can get the ball to you pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, and and that kind of willingness to be in transition, which is something that I've highlighted sort of tactically, I think has been the key for Liverpool for the majority of the season and really why they're so they've been so effective in a in a cup competition is that they have the ability to create transition and and put their players now the PFA player of the year, Mohamed Salah, in fortuitous situations, isolate them with defenders, create a lot of these situations and it kind of felt 
almost like it was sort of a basketball game where you know they 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 knew that they had that cushion they had that three goal cushion going into it and they didn't really care if they were going to 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 concede because they they had the ability and they obviously showed out showed that within the first five minutes that they could score on the opposition if if anything like that were to happen and they did they scored twice and although the game ended uh, even it was still a, a pretty comfortable win for for Liverpool in the end. Yeah, and, and overall, I think it's really nice that the team operates with that mentality because actually, I think we are guilty of this ourselves sometimes. When you look at a game, you say, well, okay, how do I nullify the opposition's strengths? Like, how do I stop them playing the way they want to play? Whereas I think Liverpool, to me, give off this aura that they're so confident about what they do. They they almost approach games and say, no, forget that. Let's work out, let's give them enough problems that they need to stop so that that changes things. Um, from their side of, of, of the coin. So I think it's it's quite refreshing to see, actually, um, just in the context of the Champions League itself. And I, th- I think the, the final is something we'll come on to talk on in more detail, obviously. But I thought this game was was really one of the better knockout games I've seen so far, even though I think the advantage that Liverpool had, it was a gulf that I, I never felt that, that Roma were really that close to to getting it, um, although I imagine that, that penalties in VAR now delicately place themselves into the conversation when I mention that. <laughs> yeah, I think the VAR decisions are something we can kind of lightly talk about, but I like that you mentioned the confidence or the perceived confidence that you have in Liverpool's play because I think there is even a Jurgen Klopp quote recently that talks about, you know, we're we're worried about the football that we're playing. We're going to do things the way that we want to do them. We're going to focus on our brand of football. And I think it's that kind of maybe instilled mentality. And I think everybody who listens to this podcast understands my opinion about all those maybe more intangible things. But I still think it is a prominent thing. And the confidence in which, uh, you know, both Jurgen Klopp, the coaching staff, obviously without uh, Buvak now, um, has instilled a lot of this, you know, clear and concise uh, identity for this team is so important as to how they've progressed in the Champions League. But as you mentioned there, there, there were some controversial refereeing decisions. Obviously, VAR, the video assistant referee, did not play a part in this. UEFA doesn't really seem to want any part of it in their competitions. Um, FIFA do. I think we'll see it at the World Cup this summer. Um, we will possibly see it in Europe, more of European or more of the uh Europe's Premier League competitions. We've seen it a lot in Serie A this season, we talked as we talked about in the last podcast. I mean, do you think? Do you give any credence to the ideas that you know, perhaps with those with that aid, the the video assistant referee aid in this game, there was a handball from Trent Alexander Alexander Arnold. There was a, a penalty that wasn't given. There was several incidents where you could say, you know, that could have swung the the match. I mean, do you give any credence credence to the idea that you know Liverpool have been largely beneficial from the the air of human refereeing yeah I, th- I think i think certainly they found themselves on the right side of fortune i mean you look at the the milner sane goal against man city you look at um alexander arnold's handball that one i think becomes a lot more apparent in <clears throat> in replays um i, th- I think i think I think personally, it's very easy to criticise officials in these situations. Le- less so with the Milner one because I think that one was a little bit obvious. Um, but I do think the frenetic pace that these games move at it, it makes it a little bit difficult. Um, I, I obviously th- there's part of you that will will always stand and say, "Well, I think I would have seen that. I think I would have called that a handball from from Alexander Arnold." But 
you know, I, I can't say for sure that I would. And at the same time, in the first half, uh, El Shirawi runs in and, and commits what I would say was a, a pretty shameless dive um, against Trent Alexander-Arnold. And, and yet we're not kind of holding that to the same standard of, of evaluation as, as the one that, that, um, that wasn't given, that should have been. So I think it's... It's such a fine balance, a seesaw, if you will, to, to try and evaluate these situations. VAR would be lovely for instances like that. Um, but I think <clears throat> even just mentioning that word takes you down a, a much greater debate that will uh, that will eat up time needlessly. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned it on the last podcast that we did. You said, you know, you don't call the cops every time you cut your finger. And in a post-VAR world, which let's take VAR out of the, out of the equation and just say, you know, in a post video replay world where we can kind of analyze these things 50 times over we never really look at the um, the perspective and I don't think we often have the ability to get it but I think in the in the last year's Champions League final there was like a, a virtual reality seat that they allocated for people that had bought like a VR headset but they've also done like referee cameras and I mean we never really get the the feeling of what it's like to be the referee that makes these decisions or rather the several referees that have different vantage points. But I mean, I think there's an interesting debate to be had as to as we move forward with technology and we have better access to these things. I mean, do we referee the game closer to the reality and play into the fact that we are in fact people and we're capable of errors or we do we completely allocate it to technology and kind of let robots do all of the all of the decisions at some point in time and make the game almost perfect in some way or does that take out a human element I think there's a larger debate to be had about that but we'll move on and kind of talk about as you said before we want to touch on the final we now know who the finalists are going to be it's going to be Real Madrid versus Liverpool a nice little aesthetic final in the sense that I think both these teams play very good football but as you mentioned before Liverpool obviously have a very clear and concise way of playing football a lot of people have fallen in love with it a lot of people have fallen in love with Mohamed Salah there's a lovely article about how he's breaking down cultural barriers for Muslims which I think is very important and it's a very um, it's a very nice point I think to be made so go out and search for that if you can people and read that but Real Madrid are in the final, a team that doesn't really have a clear and concise identity under Zinedine Zidane. I'm sure we'll have a a fully dedicated preview podcast or at least a section as a a part of a larger one. But, I mean, what what do you make of this final now that we know uh, who the finalists are going to be? I mean, we've talked about the transition that Liverpool often thrive in. Is that something that you think... Liver, or rather Real Madrid will be able to negate or or is this a is this possibly going to be Liverpool's sixth European crown yeah that's that's the big question I think you know to to just reference that color point again that's one of the things with with Marcello is that I, I don't think he will um, drop back I don't think that pushing Salah further forward will <clears throat> uh, drag Marcello back towards um, Real Madrid's defensive line. I think, if anything, he's going to take almost more impetus to try and go forward and attack. I think when you look at um, Real Madrid, to me, they've conceded a lot of chances. They certainly did in the first leg to Bayern Munich. There was a number of them. In fact, I think that tie is the first time that uh, Real Madrid have been outshot under Zidane 
in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. It was something like, I think, 28 to 12 or something like that. So Yeah, and in both legs, they actually they were at the lesser end of the expected goals by some significant margin if you take out the Ulrich air, So and, and so that's the sort of thing where you stop and think, well, you know, Liverpool are, are very clinical. Um, they put chances away. If they have, let's say, a 10, 15-minute period where Real Madrid concede a lot of chances... Is that the perfect storm from a Liverpool perspective? Because we see, like, and I know we always go back to it, that City game at Anfield where there was kind of that 10-15 minute period where everything Liverpool touched in front of goal turned to goals. And I think that that to me is is the most important thing here is it's it's potentially that 10-15 minute period. Because I look at the competition as a whole and part of the reason that these two have got here, more so with Real Madrid, is their ability to ride the ropes and essentially go through a 15-20 minute period or maybe even a little bit longer with this buy and tie and survive and stay in the competition and, and scramble it away or rely on Kilon Navas to pull off a great save and then come back and, and score at the other end and, and be as clinical on the attacking front as, as the same way that their opponents lack that. Um, I look at the Rafinha Asensio goal as, as a great example of that. So... That, for me, is, is what it comes down to. Two teams that you would argue are not a great match for each other. If I'm a, a Real Madrid fan, I don't know if Liverpool is ideal. But at the same time, Liverpool can be got at. We've seen them concede it. That, I think if I'm going to boil it down, and I almost wish I could start my answer again, if you look at the first sort of 75 minutes, I think Liverpool are up something like 9-0 recently in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. but they're, they're down significantly in the last 15 minutes. So I could definitely see an instance where Liverpool race into a lead and then Real Madrid peg them back later on. Yeah, there's a really good tweet from Bill Edgar, which is I think is the one that you're referring to there, which Liverpool in the past four games, the first 75 minutes, they're 9-2 up. In the last 15 minutes, they're 6-0 down. So, I mean, I, I think we kind of talk about the, the, the stylistic... Uh, consistency with Liverpool and how they like the transition and I think a lot of that time they are sort of rolling the dice that's a term uh, Lawrence McKenna has used on this podcast and there's there's a beauty within that and there is a calculation within how much Liverpool do that pressing is an inherently risky thing to do Jurgen Klopp and his team of coaches have have pulled the reins back a little bit, done it more efficiently, made sure they're in the proper positions to make sure that their players come out in the most favorable situations the majority of the time. They would not be where they are if they didn't do that. But I think the the difficulty for me with seeing Liverpool uh, win this final is that this is over one game. This isn't a, you can play for the second leg. This isn't like a manipulation of the aggregate. They don't have the ability to do what they did against Roma. And and Real Madrid, for all intents and purposes, are much better than, than this Roma team. So it's entirely possible that they roll the dice in this final and come out, I think, the losers. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I think we have far more to talk about in terms of the final. Um, but we thank you once again for joining us here on the front three. Just a quick little podcast on the reaction to this game. Chris, if the people want to find you, if you have anything to plug, if you've been working on anything, what should they go check out? Uh, at K H E N E A G E. Perfect. And you can find us all, me, Adam, Lawrence, even Dave sometimes. Uh, on and Chris obviously on the uh, the new front three Twitter at the front numeral three uh, so go check that out and thank you once again for joining us
the magic number.